Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. For the better part of the last decade, science fiction finally evolved from a niche genre into a mainstream staple. And while many people are familiar with the so-called fathers and grandfathers of genre, the women who have been instrumental in creating and shaping the nerdverse have largely gone unrecognized. Until today. I'm Courtney Enlow, and this is Sci-Fi Wire Fangirl's Forgotten Women of Genre, a podcast where we tell the stories of the women who helped some of the most famous fantasy worlds become a reality. Jackie Orms, one of the few women cartoonists, the popular comic strip characters of Torchy and Heartbeat and Patty Joe literally spring to life. Syndicated in scores of newspapers, her cartoons reach more than a million readers each week. As her ultra-fashionable sister Ginger holds a brochure for the United Negro College Fund in one hand and drops pledge cards with another, a little black girl, Patty Joe, says, gosh, thanks if you're begging for me, but how's about getting our rich Uncle Sam to put good public schools all over so we can be trained fit for any college? As Ginger holds a newspaper with a story about Emmett Till, Patty Joe says, I don't want to seem touchy on the subject, but that new little white tea kettle just whistled at me. As Ginger and Patty Joe walk toward the rear door entrance of a movie theater with posters promoting films named Dixie Bell and Southern Fury, Patty Joe says, it would be interesting to discover which committee decided it was un-American to be colored. These characters, among others, were the work of Jackie Orms the first black woman to become a professional cartoonist. Her illustrations depicted black girls and women in ways most society refused to portray them at the time. Glamorous, educated, opinionated, snarky, with a political awareness and a social justice slant. In 1948, even Langston Hughes wrote in the Chicago Defender, if I were marooned on a desert island, I would miss Jackie Orms's cute drawings. Zelda Maven Jackson was born August 1st, 1911 in Pittsburgh, one of two daughters to William Winfield Jackson and Mary Brown Jackson. Her father was a small business owner, operating a printing business as well as a local movie theater. But in 1917, he died in a car accident, leaving her mother alone to raise Zelda and her sister Dolores. For a time, the two lived with their aunt and uncle. When their mother remarried, the family relocated to Monongahela, Pennsylvania. Zelda displayed an early talent and passion for art, handling the art duties for her junior and senior year high school yearbooks. While still in school, Zelda applied to work at the weekly African-American newspaper, The Pittsburgh Courier, where she served as a proofreader and a reporter. She covered a variety of subjects, from boxing matches to the police beat. While she enjoyed the work, What she really wanted to do would come a few years later. Her first comic strip, Torchy Brown and Dixie to Harlem, 
debuted in the Pittsburgh Courier in 1937 and ran in the Courier's 14 city editions across the country. Torchy Brown followed the titular character, a teen girl who leaves Mississippi for the glitz of New York City to become a singer and dancer at Harlem's famous Cotton Club. The strip only ran for one year, but it would return later in a more glamorous and grown iteration. But before that, and following a move to Chicago with her husband Earl, in 1945, Zelda began a new comic, this time using her nickname Jackie, short for Jackson, but also short for Jacqueline, the name of her only child with Earl, a daughter who tragically died at just three years old from a brain tumor. The first strip for The Defender was called Candy, following a snarky domestic worker. It ran for just four months, but her follow-up would have a much longer-lasting impact. Later that same year, Patty Joe and Ginger debuted, featuring a young girl named Patty Joe and her gorgeous sister, Ginger. Patty Joe and Ginger ran for 11 years. Patty Joe is the only character who speaks in the single panel strip. In other hands, this could have been a kids say the darndest things black family circus. It wasn't. Patty Joe was an opinionated child, wise beyond her years, with a political and social conscience pointing out injustice in the segregation era U.S. From the mouths of babes, indeed. As Matthew Teutsch pointed out in the African American Intellectual History Society's Black Perspectives blog, we must remember that it is Patty Joe, not Ginger, that makes the comments in Orms' panels. Through this positioning, Patty Joe served as a role model for younger readers, showing that their voices and experiences matter. While much of Patty Joe's often scathing commentary focused on a national level, at a certain point, things got personal. Patty Joe would periodically make jokes about witch hunts and the House Un-American Activities Committee. This was more than just a timely reference to McCarthyism. According to Dr. Deborah Whaley's book, Black Women in Sequence, Reinking Comics, Graphic Novels, and Anime, over the 40s and 50s, the FBI developed a 287-page file on Orms. To paraphrase Tim Curry in the movie Clue, Orms had friends who were... <laughs> Socialists. <laughs> she was a very progressive person who described herself as anti-war and anti-everything that's smelly. She was linked to a socialist group on Chicago's South Side and anonymously reported to the FBI as a member of the Communist Party. They followed her, chronicled years of her financial activities. And Dr. Whaley's book said, some FBI interviews praised her intelligence and commented that she was well-read and socially conscious, but wrote with sarcasm that she was noticeably pleased to be classified as an intellectual and leader among the Negro people. Other agents directly insulted Orms by saying she was not very well informed or intelligent, but rather a pseudo-intellectual, flighty in temperament, and not inclined to seriously consider what the agents were attempting to clarify. At the end of the FBI report, Operatives concluded that Orms was either confused as to the actual communist position concerning the Negro or that she had been deliberately misled concerning some of these basic issues. They seem neat. Cool guys. Despite the efforts of the FBI, Patty Joe was a hit. And in 1947, Patty Joe inspired the first upscale African-American doll, a collaboration between Orms and the Terry Lee Doll Company. 
where other Black dolls were hugely stereotypical, playing into the common negative portrayals of Black Americans. Patty Jo had playable hair and an extensive wardrobe of dresses, nightgowns, coats, even skating costumes. Orms didn't want any more offensive, belittling representations of Black life. Just kids, she said. In 1950, Torchy Brown made her triumphant return, this time with a more adult tone. Torchy and Heartbeats ran for four years and followed Torchy looking for love and dealing with racism and misogyny. One strip has her slapping a white man who forcibly gropes her. Another finds Torchy and her boyfriend confronting environmental pollution and racism in a small factory town. Originally, according to the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund, the syndicate wanted her to provide the art while a male writer would handle the storylines. Orm said she constantly had to remind the writer that Torchy, a character of her own creation, quote, was no moonstruck crybaby and that she wouldn't perish between heartbreaks. I have never liked dreamy little women who can't hold their own. Eventually, Orms got full control back of her character and Torchy was once again independent. This kind of depiction was major, even by today's standards, but it was utterly revolutionary for its time. Where I'm Coming From cartoonist Barbara Brandon Croft told NPR, Black women were always fat, had bandanas on their heads, you know, had large lips, were always porters. We were servants. Think gone with the wind, you know. We didn't speak clear English. This was in stark contrast to Orms' characters. Ginger was a statuesque beauty dressed in the latest fashions and a college graduate. Torchy and Heartbeats had a regular paper doll fashion feature with beautiful dresses and stylish slacks, making Orms not only a pioneer in cartoon illustration, but in the idea that you can be smart, politically minded, empowered, and into fashion and makeup. In 1956, Orms retired from cartooning. She carried on as an artist, but ultimately rheumatoid arthritis ended her ability to continue her lifelong passion. But she gave herself in other ways. A style maven to the end, she volunteered producing fashion shows and events on Chicago's South Side, and she was on the founding board of directors for the Dusable Museum of African American History. On December 26, 1985, Orms died of a cerebral hemorrhage. But her legacy didn't end there. As is the case with so many women, it wasn't until her death that she got the recognition she deserved in life. In 2014, Jackie Orms was inducted into the National Association of Black Journalists Hall of Fame. And in 2018, she was inducted into the Will Eisner Comic Industry Hall of Fame. Awards are nice, but it's the ground Orms broke for depictions of Black women in a time Black people in America were treated as subhuman. Her characters were an early example of, if they can see it, they can be it. In an interview with NPR, Orm's biographer Nancy Goldstein said, Here's Ginger. She's just graduated from college. I can do that too. Here's Torchy. She's challenging the racism and the status quo of the era. And I can do that too. And so she was giving voice to what was in the hearts and minds of so many people to move forward and make progress. Forgotten Women of Genre is a production of Sci-Fi Wire Fangirls. Today's episode was written and read by Courtney Enlow and produced by Cher Martinetti. 
You can find the script of this episode and so much more at SciFiFangirls.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SciFiFangirls.